Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. It's live. <gasps> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Investigator's first official live podcasting. And here's Tony. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Uh, for all three of you who are watching, uh, welcome to the Space But Messier podcast. Uh, this is our first live episode, and we're really excited uh, to bring it to you. And everyone behind us is everyone that has supported us in this journey so far. <laughs> and we we couldn't be happier and more excited to be doing this for you. So um, let's kick it off. Flo, how's your day been? Um, very good. Very exciting. It's really weird to have people with us while we're it recording, is. though, because it's usually just us two, and it takes us a long time to get through some jokes. We do have some special guests here. One are my parents, which are right here. They're waving. <laughs> um, some other special guests, and also happens to be my wife. We have the podcasters for Mana Food for Thought here as well. Mm -hmm. Fellow podcasters, um, if you are interested in learning more about the Christian faith or you would like to deepen your Christian faith, listen to Man of Food for Thought. It is really, really good. It is. All right. Well, people are here to listen to Space News. So Let's shall do we? it. Okay. Awesome. Um, biggest piece of news, in my opinion. I we're doing a live podcast. Biggest piece of news is we're doing a live podcast. Yeah. So as we were recording here on Instagram, we we're also recording on our, uh, mm -hmm, our thing. computer. Yep. <laughs> and so this will be on iTunes tonight tonight yep um it's gonna be super ready next piece of news number two there will be 4g mobile coverage on the moon really yes how I don't know okay no I do know okay but <laughs> I'm just confused because I'm think not confused but it feels like a lot of things are happening really fast because two weeks ago we were talking about doing the spacewalks yep with Russia yep and going up to the International Space Station and then last week we were talking about um worldwide Wi-Fi yep and we so now we're up to 4G mobile coverage on the moon things are moving fast so thanks to the Euro European mobile operator Vodafone they're gonna um so they're from Nokia they're gonna Throw up into space some lunar rovers from Audi in a 2019 mission that is slated to launch a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. Again, SpaceX. We are a SpaceX podcast. We really are. So they're going to bring two lunar landers to the surface of the moon, and along with them, they're going to establish 4G mobile coverage so that the Audi rovers can communicate with each other and send home the first ever HD video from the surface of the moon. Wow. So for those of you who have seen footage from the moon and think it's fake... First of all, <laughs> you're wrong. Second of all, it's all black. So you'll notice that all the sky in when you're on the moon is black. And it's going to continue to be that way. Um, in order to take footage on the moon, you have to have lights. And when you have lights, it, it it's called light pollution and it dampens everything. And so you won't be able to see many lights from the HD video, but it'll still be really, really cool. Um, yeah. It is not produced in a studio at NASA headquarters, like the conspiracy suggests. <laughs> I'm going to debunk that one right now. But yeah, so if you plan on going to the moon, you will be able to phone home and um, continue your snap streak mm -hmm. if people still do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. All right, second bit of news. So a little bit of background on this one. This one's a little more scientific for you. So when a human ventures beyond Earth's magnetic field, we become vulnerable to all sorts of cosmic rays. And so these cosmic rays are fatal. They can cause cataracts. They can cause fatal cancer. They can cause um, damage to your central nervous system. And it's very bad. And that's one of the main reasons why we have not gone to Mars already. Of course, uh, we don't have the capability to send us there and stay alive yeah. um, anyway. But 
our satellites aren't even immune to all of this either. So some of these places that we want to go are Mars, um, Enceladus, which is one of Saturn's moons. Um, it's covered in ice, but it has a liquid ocean underneath the ice. So we really want to go there um, as well as Titan, but it's too dangerous. So a group of biologists and chemists at NASA's Ames Research Center have begun researching ways to raise the radio resistance of humans. How are they going to do that? I don't know. You haven't, they haven't told us? No, they just told us that they're doing it. Oh, so, you know, secrets. keep it up with that. Um, if you guys have watched Cosmos, um, the Cosmos, a space-time odyssey on Netflix, uh, the one that Neil deGrasse Tyson does, <laughs> then you'll see an episode. It's like my favorite episode. Um, it's on tardigrades, which are known as water bears, which are really cool. They're like these microscopic little water bears that are immune to everything. They can live in the hottest of hottest temperatures and the coldest of coldest temperatures, and they've survived every single uh, mass extinction that earth has been through so they're super radio resistant and we want to learn from them and become more radio resistant as well so that's a good thing for space travel if you didn't hear any of that it will help us get to mars the water bears very good that's incredible um i think a last one that was brought up recently by one of our supporters <laughs> um, that we decided to add today was that scientists for a long time they always seek for the beginning of the universe. We call this um, area of space cosmology. Not cosmetology, but cosmology. <laughs> cosmology is the study of cutting hair. Um, mm -hmm. It's the study of how the universe formed, how it will die, and everything about it. And so cosmologists are looking to the end or the beginning of the universe um, to see when the first stars formed. Now, research, new research has suggested that um, new stars have formed um, 180 million years after the Big Bang. And so far, that's the most information that we've ever had. And it's very exciting, and it's a breakthrough in cosmology. Nice. Very good. Cosmetology. Yes. One last piece of news, though. Tonight. Right now. Right? Okay. So since this is live, we can say this, and it will make sense. If you look outside, the moon looks incredible. Um it does look really good. It does. And it has a very special name. So we were, <laughs> so I don't know why, but there's a different, a bunch of different names for full moons throughout the year, right? So like in January, we have like the wolf moon. In February, we have the hunger moon and the snow moon. So the moon right now is known as the worm moon. Fun fact of the night. And there will be two in March. So keep an eye out for the worm moon. And then we will also have the sap moon and the crow moon. Is that so? Yes. Okay, because it's March. <laughs> and then look forward to next month, the pink moon and the fish moon. And the grass moon. Yeah, These so names many. are ridiculous, but somebody really named good. them. They're so really good. They're really good. You can also just call it a full moon, so whatever you'd like. Yeah. Well, I'll call it the worm moon from now on. So tonight, um, the main thing that we're going to be doing live with you guys uh, is doing a Q&A from our live audience, and um, we've got some great questions here, mm -hmm. and we learned, we're going to learn a lot mm. doing this, I think. Um she has some areas of expertise, and so do I. So we will get started with our first question. Flo. Yes. Chloe from Aliso Viejo. <laughs> She's back there. She wants to know what happened to Pluto. Okay, Chloe, I appreciate you asking, because as we were talking about this question, we realized that Tony and I have very different views on this. <laughs> We have very different opinions. Even though a fact cannot have opinions, we do have different opinions. We have starkly different opinions so, about this one fact. That is true. Okay, so here's what happened. So in August of 2006, those that remember the most devastating day of everyone's life, um, <laughs> the International Astronomical Union, the IAU, downgraded 
the status of Pluto. So we always had grown up, or the people around my age, had grown up with it being a planet and knowing it as a planet. And then all of a sudden, in August of 2006, the IAU said no. Pluto is no longer a planet. So they said that it was now a dwarf planet because it didn't fill the three criteria that they have. Three Okay, so all planets fit these criteria. Yes, so they have to have these three criteria, according to the IAU, um, for something to be a full-size planet. So the three are that it has to orbit around the sun, it has to have sufficient mass to assume hydrostatic equilibrium, so like it has to be a nearly perfect sphere or perfect round shape. Okay. And then the last one is that it has cleared the neighborhood around its orbit. Okay, so before we dive into which one is... Yes, which one it is not. Um, the second one, which is it has sufficient sufficient mass mass to assume hydrostatic equilibrium, a nearly round shape. Um, people get up in a fuss about this because people say nearly round, and mm. people think that the Earth is either flat or it's completely a sphere, and it is neither. It's okay, flat. it is. <laughs> Join us next week as we persecute Flo, the flat earther. Um, No, but stay tuned. We will have an episode on flat earth, and I'm so excited for it. Mm -hmm. But we are going to save that. So basically, um, because the earth is spinning, and it's spinning faster around the equator, it is actually wider around the equator than it is elsewhere. So it's not a perfect sphere, sphere, but it is... Close. Yes, spherical. Which is what the IAU needs. Yes. It needs it to be nearly spherical. Um, And then the last one was that it has to clear the neighborhood around its orbit. So essentially, Pluto meets the first two criteria, except the last one. It has not cleared its neighborhood. It has not cleared its neighboring region of other objects. So the area around Pluto still has other objects flying around it. Okay. What about its moons? Those count, but it needs to just be the moons. Okay. Okay. So Pluto... If it has anything around it of comparable size, then it is not a planet. Yeah. So what you're telling me is Pluto is not a planet? Okay. Begrudgingly, I will say... This is what I will tell you. Okay. The IAU says that Pluto is not a planet. Okay. The, as you told me earlier, the IAU does not run my life. It does so not. <laughs> I can firmly believe in the depths of my heart that Pluto is still a planet. Okay. But it is not true. But it is a belief. It is, it is a total belief. It is not a fact. It literally is not a planet because um, it has not become gravitationally dominant. So back to the clearing the neighborhood thing. If it was a planet, it would have a significant gravitational pull and it would be able to clear its area of all other objects. Because it's so small, it doesn't have that gravitational pull and it is not capable of doing that. So it is not a planet. Sorry, Chloe. That is what happened to Pluto. It's still there. Yeah, it's just you, not a plane anymore. You can it's go to it. If you hitch on with Starshot, you'll be there in a week. Really? Yeah. Remember right. last week? Remember that light sail thingy? <gasps> That's true. And yeah. the 77-year thing. Okay. Awesome. Chloe, does that answer your question? Yes. She Chloe yes. gives a thumbs she's up. She's crying, Excellent. but she says yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> next question from Jenna, the wife. Jenna is my <laughs> wife. <laughs> the baby asked, um, why is space black? Good question, baby. This one's actually really hard yeah. because not, okay, so scientists are researching this, but they don't all have a definitive answer. So granted, these are going to be theories and they're going to be um, explanations on how we think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still working on it though. Yeah. So for one, we have to realize that our universe is only 13.8 or 13.8, sorry, billion years old. This means that we can only see object as far away as the distance light can travel in that time. So... 
for instance. Light from stars um, farther away than that has not yet had time to reach us. Therefore, if there's a star that's more than 13.8 light years away, 13.8 billion light years away, it's a light has not yet reached us. So if there are stars absolutely everywhere, then we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Plus, um, there's, there's like three reasons for this. The second one is that if you live in a place like Southern California, like we do, or if you live in a city with a ton of lights, you're not going to see almost any stars. Um, because like we said before, when a light is on near you, it's called light pollution. And so in order to see all the stars in the sky, um, you have to allow your eyes time to adjust. So bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Um, so when you go outside and you have absolutely no light, your eyes will take approximately 20 minutes to adjust in order to see all the stars visible and all the stars whose light has made it to earth. But if you have light where you are, lights, lamps, anything, you're not going to see any yeah, of that. Super difficult to see. The last reason why space is black is because, and we're going to get into this in the next question as well. Um, space is expanding. <laughs> and, um, we talked about this last week, remember? So when we have a black hole and Flo chose to give herself to the black hole. I did. When she goes in head first, we're going to see her body slowly move to the black hole because time is warping it so fast. And then um, because her body is moving so f quickly away from us, the light that is coming off of her that we're receiving at Earth is going to be shifted towards the red end of the spectrum. And stars that are far away from us are actually speeding away faster and so the further they are away, the faster they're moving away from us and their light is more shifted to the red end of the spectrum. And the more that happens, just like the black hole, they will fade from existence um, or not from existence, but from mm -hmm. visibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's probably plenty of stars out there that are moving so fast and so quickly away from us that we can't see the light they produce because it's red shifted far too much. There you go. We need one of the sound things again. Boing. Boing. Jenna, does that, is that good, Jenna? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, another question. Is this one from out of state? This is from New Jersey. Yes, it is. Okay, from Cam in New Jersey. Tony, he wants to know... So we keep talking about how the universe is expanding. We do. We've we said about that it multiple couple, times. Yeah, we have. Because it's a fact. Um, how fast is it expanding? <laughs> Very fast. Yeah. <laughs> yes, um, which is kind of terrifying. Um, so universe is expanding in all directions. So this, this does not mean that Earth is at the center necessarily, but every galaxy is moving away from every galaxy at different rates. So that being said, scientists estimate that objects that are one megaparsec away, which is 3.3 million light years, which is, I'll save you the exponent. Flo. Yeah, please. <laughs> it's about two quintillion miles, which is two with 18 zeros after it. So objects that are that far away from each other are traveling away at 42 miles per second or 68 kilometers per second. Extremely fast. And the further, obviously, when they're traveling further and further away from each other, they're getting faster and faster because that's only the distance for one megaparsec. But eventually, they're going to keep moving away. They're going to get to two megaparsecs. It's going to be way faster. And that's that. So very fast. Yes. Um, that being said, similar to the last question, um, they're moving way faster and faster. The light is shifted further to the red end of the spectrum, meaning that objects closer to one megaparsec are going to be moving away at a slower rate. So they're not quite moving away that fast. For instance, Andromeda Galaxy and ours are coming together, like we said. Um, <laughs> so guess, fast. Like we defined so quickly. Um, and once again, if you um, have heart issues, turn off this podcast. Um, <laughs> 
And however, all the ones that are far enough away to be expanding away from us, though, are going to continue doing so. So eventually we won't be able to see all those other galaxies in our sky. They'll all be far away and we'll die alone in the universe. In the very near future. No, from what I'm not near. No, <laughs> not near at all. Billions of years, to be clear. All right. Thank you, Cam, from New Jersey Thank for that you, excellent Cam. question. Excellent. Awesome. Okay, so Chase from Oklahoma wants to know, does the first country to the moon claim it as their own? In the short of it, no. Thank goodness. But, so No, no, no. But United States put a flag on the moon. I'm sorry, all of our international partners out there, but we got there first. Yeah, that listener. Didn't we have a listener from what? Ireland? We do. Yeah. Listener from Ireland, don't worry, we don't own it. You we do still, not. No, he's just messing with you. So, no, just Did you say you're just messing with her? Yeah, because you... <laughs> I don't know. That was a stretch. Okay. Um, so, boy, boy, boy. just... Be... <laughs> okay. Just because you put a flag somewhere doesn't mean it's yours. There's actually a whole agreement that no country will ever be able to do this. Really? So... Neil Armstrong did famously plant the U.S. flag in the moon in 1969. It was a real thing that happened. So this implied territorial ownership, but it was literally just symbolic. Um, and it's only allowed to be symbolic because of the 1967 Outer Space Treaty. So two years before, the United Nations had all come together and 129 different countries, including China, Russia, the U.K., and the U.S., committed to this treaty. Um, which is overseen by the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs. And so they set out this really important set of principles and guidelines, such as the concept that space should be considered the province of all mankind, and that outer space is free for the exploration and the use of all states, and that the moon and other celestial bodies cannot be claimed by a sovereign nation state. No one can say that it is theirs. Okay. So can we, like... Can we like bring war to the moon? Like, can we still like get there and and have it for like war purposes? Because that would be very useful. That would actually be super terrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no, because of the fact that it is no one's, they've also made it very clear that the moon and all celestial bodies are to be used purely for peaceful purposes. So exploration is totally fine, but weapons will not be placed in space on the moon, on celestial bodies, or even in orbit. It sounds like they're restricting our guns, is what it sounds like. I'm glad. <laughs> Very thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, no. No one owns the moon. No one is allowed to own the moon. And no one is allowed to put anything dangerous on the moon or near the moon. Good to know. Protect the moon. Nobody owns the moon. Or else the Russians would own space because of Sputnik. Yeah. The first time. And they don't. Okay. So, next question from Aaron from Oregon. Is Aaron here? Where's Erin? Oh, she's here. Erin from Oregon. We really have some we have nationwide some, we friends. We do, yeah. Um, so what is space made of, Tony? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> she, was, this, she was thinking small thoughts when she thought of this question. This is a really hard question. Okay, so we will go over everything that scientists um, have discovered and currently know, but I have to warn you that we actually know more about what we don't know than what we do know. So, for instance, 68% of the universe is made of dark energy, 27% mm -hmm. is made of dark matter, and 5% is made of normal visible matter, or matter that um, can interact with light on the electromagnetic spectrum. So, those statistics are That's from such NASA. A small you may be wondering, though, what is dark energy, what is dark matter, and how dark is it? Or maybe you're not wondering that. <laughs> but now I am. And How dark you, is it? Now you are. Um, I can't tell you. Dark energy and dark matter, the only reasons why we gave them those names is because we don't know anything about them. 
So dark energy behaves like energy and dark matter behaves like matter. But the word dark is misleading. It makes it seem like um, it can't be seen, which yeah, yeah. technically it, it can't, but we don't call it that because of that. We call it because we have no idea so what, it, do, what it is. Name. It's just a poor Should've naming been, system. We don't know matter. We, once we, we figure out energy. what it is, we will name it correctly. We. We. <laughs> Tony and Flo. So stay tuned. Um, so dark energy is uh, the thing we don't know much about. It's a particular energy that aids in the universe's expansion. So Einstein predicted that empty space has this energy embedded with it. It's, it's part of space, has nothing to do with the matter there. But when there's more matter there, then the dark energy, um, well, it's more energetic. It expands mm-hmm. space even further. So that's, that's all we really know. It, it aids in the expansion of the universe. It's dark and mysterious, not dark in color. It may not even have a color. Yeah. So there's that. The next one is dark matter. And we only know that that exists based on its gravitational effects. So for instance, the laws of planetary motion state that the closer an object is um, to the sun, uh, the faster it will orbit. For instance, like we talked about uh, last episode, when you have a body that's really close to a center of gravity, it has to go really, really fast to escape. Yeah. Like the sink analogy. Yes. The sink analogy. So the escape velocity has to be more. So when you have a body that's really close to the sun, it has to travel a lot quicker to stay in orbit and not get sucked in. So the outer planets or dwarf planets, um, like Pluto, like Pluto, <laughs> they can get they can move a lot slower because they're not in like fear or in trouble of getting sucked into the sun and its gravity. Um, so you'd think that would also be true when it comes to galaxies, but we find that it's actually not. So the supermassive black hole at the middle of a galaxy is extremely, its gravitational forces are extremely strong. So all the, the gas and dust that, emis, that emit light, like from last episode, that's moving really, really quickly. But right outside of that, still very close to the center of the galaxy, the speed that that matter is moving is very close to the speed that the matter at the edge of the universe is moving. It's like those old, um, those old um, playground toys that you used to jump on. They were like a massive wheel yeah. that you'd, You'd like hold on and somebody would spin it as fast as they can. You try and fall off. Yeah, they don't have those anymore. Yeah, we don't have those anymore because of laws and stuff. They are dangerous. (laughs) But so are galaxies. Oh. Yes, galaxies are dangerous as well. Um, So basically, it functions more like that than something that would um, naturally happen or a phenomenon that would naturally happen. So it doesn't really make sense though because galaxies move at the same speed no matter where you are, but there's not enough matter in the galaxy to explain this. And so... In order for that to happen, we need a lot more gravity and we need a lot more matter. And we coin the term for all of that matter. We coin it dark matter. Because it has to be there. It has to. We something is there. there. Yeah. So we don't know what it is, but we're calling it dark matter. And that's that. That's where we're at. Okay. So that's the part that we don't know. But when we look at the sky, yes. what are we actually looking at? So when you look at the sky, okay, this is the crazy part. So we used a lot of big numbers earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you are at Earth, so next time you're on Earth and you're sitting down and you're breathing, <laughs> you're breathing in the air, um, you're bringing a lot of uh, nitrogen, a lot of oxygen, and the density of the air that you breathe in is 30 quintillion molecules per cubic centimeter. So if you hold your finger out, your, your thumb and your index finger, and you make a centimeter, just like that big, I guess, there are 30 quintillion molecules in that space. In space or outer space, mm-hmm. the interstellar medium is what we call it, mm-hmm. there's one molecule per cubic centimeter. So it's so dilute that you're barely looking at anything at all. 
That being said, um, it's actually a different concentration of elements in space. So in space, you're going to have about 90% hydrogen, you're going to have about 9% helium, and then the rest of it is all of the elements that were thrown into the universe when the Big Bang happened. Now, that makes sense because last episode we told you that uh, when a star dies or when it's living, it converts hydrogen to helium, and that's what most stars are made out of. The really massive stars, when they're finished with their hydrogen um, nuclear fusion, they move on to heavier elements, and so that's where we get some of the heavier elements as well. So when you look into space, you're looking at hydrogen and helium, mostly. <laughs> hydrogen, helium, and things that you don't know. And things that you don't know. There we go. Aaron from Oregon. So we started with the Big Bang in our news and we're ending with it now. Because it's the reason we're here. It is. Big Bang. Yes. All right. That was it for all of our questions. Awesome. Everyone who is joining us on Instagram Live, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you haven't yet, check out our podcast on the Apple Podcast app. And um, it would really be awesome if you subscribed and left a review. We would love to hear your feedback um, and would really help us out as a new podcast. And we are so thankful for those of you that are going to leave reviews that we want to give you things. Free stuff. <laughs> so we're giving out Space But Messier starter packs, which include the tees with the class Space of Messier logo, not the newest one that we just posted, which is incredible, um, but the classic logo and a mug and a Space of Messier sticker. Yes, the mug is super cool. It's like a 3D so astronaut cool. head. Flo says you're practically drinking its thoughts. Yes, you, you are. are. It's yes. incredible. <laughs> that will have the Space but Messier theme, um, logo, logo as well. Yeah. And then the sticker as well. You can put it and you know, we'll throw in two stickers. Why not? <laughs> Three. Okay, let's not. We can't afford three. Um, But we can't afford three because we don't have any funding. So if you guys would like to help fund this podcast, which would be really fun for us, um, you can go to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash messier, And you can give up to or as little as a dollar a month. And that would really help us out. We can get our own gear. We can have our own space. And we can have more time to do more research for all of that. And we give you stuff back for being a Patreon member, like patron-only content and patron-only giveaways, which is very exciting. Um, Or if you're just jealous that we answered all these people's questions today and not yours, feel free to use social media to tell us what your questions are for the next podcast or for the next um, YouTube episodes. So hit us up on here, Instagram, at SpaceFootMessier, Twitter, at SpaceFootMessier, or you can just Leave your question in the comment on the podcast. Yes, that would be good too. All right, everyone. It was wonderful having you, especially those on Instagram Live. And thank you to all of our friends and family that joined us here live. Um, (laughs) We did it. We did our fourth official episode. It's done. It's done. Tagline for tonight. Next time you're on Earth, (laughs) we hope you look up and feel inspired. We do. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Good night. Good night. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Roger, Tranquility. We copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. That was definitely an e-ticket.